scripture reading will be read from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Thank you, Zach, for reading our scripture. We are looking tonight... 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, talking about Christ, our Passover lamb. And I want to ask you to turn back to the Old Testament as we think about this lesson and look with me primarily at chapters 11 and 12. We're going to be looking at the book of Exodus. And as we talk tonight about Christ, our Passover lamb, I want to remind you of what Paul said in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. That those things that were written before time were written for our learning. There's a lot to be said about understanding the Old Testament because the Old Testament helps you to better understand the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there are types and shadows. And really, the Old Testament foreshadows the coming of the Christ, the Lamb of God. And so in the Old Testament, we read about the children of Israel and they, as you well know, were in the land of Egypt. They were to spend some 430 years of service in Egypt. They were detained there, and later God would liberate them. And so tonight we're going to look at Exodus chapters 11 and 12 in light of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about Christ being our Passover lamb. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the fact that the children of Israel were restrained in the land of Egypt. And I want to go back and look with you for just a moment at chapter 1. Because in chapter 1, Moses here, in his narration of these events, talks about their bondage. And they were in bondage, and they were burdened in the children of, or rather, in the land of Egypt. Now, God had told Abraham many, 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 many years earlier that ultimately his descendants would sojourn in a foreign land, and that land, of course, would be Egypt. So there's a transition that takes place from the book of Genesis to Exodus. And in verse 8 of chapter 1, Moses said, There arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now, you remember Joseph had found favor in the eyes of Pharaoh, Joseph had been delivered into the hands of the Ishmaelites and Midianites and later made his way down to Egypt and came to prominence in the house of Pharaoh, rose to second in command. And it was through God's providence that the children of Israel would later settle in the land of Goshen and grow into a mighty nation of people. Pharaoh obviously had some understanding of the God of Joseph. Well. Moses is saying in chapter 1, verse 8, There arose a new king in Egypt who did not know Joseph. In other words, he didn't know the God of Joseph. And so he says to the people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. He said, Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. And so in verse 11, the Bible says, He set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Python and Ramses, 
And so they're in bondage, and they are burdened beyond belief. Now turn over, if you would, very quickly to chapter 3. We think about their captivity, but in chapter 3, we have Moses recording the events surrounding their exodus. And the Bible here speaks of the cry of the children of Israel. God, of course, appears to Moses, and God wants Moses to serve as the ultimate leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel. It would be through Moses that they would come out of, out of the land of Egypt. And so in verse 7, God says, I will surely, or rather I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. And he said, Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, my children, out of Egypt. One thing very quickly here. We talk about being the people of God. God was with his people in Egypt. And their cry, their burdens, obviously God knew about those burdens. He knew about their distress, their sorrows. When they cried out to Him, the Bible says God heard them. And so I think as a child of God today, when we face difficulties, that we need to remember that God hears our cries just as He did the children of Israel. Now you recall, Moses performed a series of signs or miracles or wonders in the land of Egypt. Those signs or miracles were intended to soften the heart of Pharaoh so that Pharaoh would let the children of Israel go. But over and over again, the Bible talks about how Pharaoh hardened his heart. God allowed Pharaoh to pursue his own course, didn't he? Pharaoh refused to allow the children of God to leave bondage or captivity. And so in chapter 10, or rather chapter 11... There is the announcement of the 10th plague or 10th miracle, the 10th sign. This 10th and final sign or miracle would serve as a catalyst that would ultimately cause Pharaoh and the children of Egypt to encourage Israel to leave the land. So very quickly, look with me in chapter 11, verse 1. God said, I will bring yet one more plague on Pharaoh. And on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Now, speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor, every woman from her neighbor, articles of silver and of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor on the sight of the Egyptians. Drop down now. Look at verse 4. Thus says the Lord about midnight, I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the maidservant who is behind the meal, and all the firstborn of the beast. There shall be a cry, a great cry, throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue, 
against man or beast. Now listen to what God says. That you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. That's significant. And I want us to come back to that in just a moment. So we have what is called the institution of the Passover. And so now look at chapter 12. Transition to chapter 12 with me, if you, if you would, for a moment. In chapter 12, God lays out instructions relative to the Passover and the killing of the Passover lamb. All of this ultimately foreshadows the coming of Christ, who would be identified by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, as our Passover lamb, the one who would be sacrificed for us. And so, here's what the Bible says, beginning in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Verse 2, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Now, note if you would the criterion regarding the lamb. First of all, in verse 5, he said, Your lamb shall be what? Without blemish. A male of the first year. He said, You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. In other words, it was to be a spotless lamb, wasn't it? And then note, if you would, what is said in verse 6. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So it is to be a spotless lamb, it is to be a sacrificial lamb. And then thirdly, look at verse 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh on that night roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Drop down and look at verse, look at verse 11. He said, Thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So, what about this lamb, this lamb? Well, it was to be a spotless lamb, a sacrificial lamb, and then when the blood was placed in the designated post on the door, what would happen? It would be a saving lamb, wouldn't it? Now, down in verse 21 and following, we have a recording of their participation in the Passover. But now, drop down and look, if you would, at verse 29, what about the provisions of this Passover? Well, in verse 29, the Bible says it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. Pharaoh rose on the night, he and his servants, all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. 
He called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise and go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Now let me just stop there for a little bit. We talk about their preparation for the Passover, the instructions given by Almighty God, their participation in the Passover, and then the provisions of the Passover. I said a moment ago that this foreshadows the coming of the Christ. Do you remember what John wrote in the book of Revelation in, in chapter 13? John talked about the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. John the Baptist who was the forerunner to the Christ. John the Baptist, as you well know, had the opportunity, the privilege, to baptize Jesus in the River Jordan. And John said of Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about Christ and His redemptive work on Calvary for us, didn't he? Now I said just a moment ago that when you go back and look at Exodus chapters 11 and 12, the Passover lamb, the instructions given, it was to be a spotless lamb. Peter said, we've been redeemed not by corruptible things such as silver and gold, but rather by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without spot and without blemish. He said, who verily was foreordained before the world began, but was manifest in these last times for you. So think about it. Peter is saying, God in His infinite wisdom decreed before the world began to send the Christ into the world. The Christ would be that lamb, that sacrificial lamb, that would give His life for our sins. Was Jesus without spot, without blemish? Yes, He was. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Him who knew no sin, He became sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 2 that Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps who did no sin, neither was guile or deceit found in His mouth. So Jesus was that spotless lamb, wasn't He? Not only was He the spotless lamb, but He was the sacrificial lamb. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, the passage I mentioned earlier, that Christ who is our Passover lamb, listen to what Paul said, was sacrificed for us. The sacrificial death of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, as Paul would say in Philippians chapter 2, emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to the cross, as Paul would say, yes, even the death of the cross. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, that Jesus tasted death, for every man, the tremendous sacrifice that Je can you imagine? The second member of the Godhead willing to come to earth, tabernacle in human flesh, be mocked, ridiculed, ultimately put to death by the hands of his own creation. The creator suffering at the hands of creation. And yet his sacrifice was for us. He paid the price. He paid the penalty for sin. On our behalf, Paul would write in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, The wages of sin is death, the gift of God, however, eternal life in Christ Jesus. So, this spotless lamb and this sacrificial lamb, and add to that, the saving lamb. Jesus was the lamb slain 
for us, was He not? Are we not saved by and through Jesus? You remember what Jesus said in John 14, verse 6? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Luke said, recording the words of Peter and John, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, I want you to think about something for a moment. The children of Israel were delivered by Almighty God, were they not? God instructed them to observe the Passover, the Passover lamb. Now, having said that, go back again and look at verse 11 in chapter 12. God said to the children of Israel, in verse 11, you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. I will strike all the firstborn of the, of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, and I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now drop down again, look at verse 29. The Bible says that, came to pass at midnight, the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who were, who were in the dungeon, all the firstborn of the livestock. Now let me ask you a question. Wherein did the difference lie? When it, when it came to those who were saved and lost, God said, you take the blood of that Passover lamb, you apply it to your house, and what will I do? I will spare the firstborn. I will redeem it. That blood redeemed the firstborn, did it not? So I want to ask you a question. Who then are we? Do you remember what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23? To the general assembly and church, listen to him, of the firstborn, we are the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, and just men made perfect. Now just think about that for a minute. In Egypt, God redeemed the children of Israel by the blood of that Passover lamb. The firstborn, were, they were spared, they were redeemed. The connection is in the New Testament, those of us who have obeyed the gospel of Christ, we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We are the firstborn. The firstborn. And again, think about how this coincides with what's taught in the New Testament. You think about how the Old Testament, the New Testament fit hand in glove. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The Passover that was instituted by God while in the land of Egypt, foreshadowed the coming of the Passover lamb, who is Christ, who was ultimately sacrificed for us. So the Hebrew writer is saying, look, you as a result of obeying the gospel, you are the church of the firstborn. You're the redeemed. By what? By the blood of Jesus. Jesus was the lamb of God slain for our sins. The firstborn they were afforded life through the blood, were they not? We are afforded life today through what? The blood of Jesus. You can't be saved apart from the blood of Christ. Now think about this. 
the blood had to be applied to the house, right? That's what God said. All right, where then is the blood applied today? The house of God, the church of the living God. You mean to tell me I have to be in the house where the blood rests in order to, to enjoy redemption by Almighty God? That's exactly right. You see, God delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage through the blood of that Passover lamb. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus when we obey the gospel, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, repent of our sins, confess His name, and are buried with Him in baptism, we contact the blood of Christ. Why do we need to be baptized? Because Jesus died on Calvary, didn't He? He shed His blood, John 19, 34 and 35. In order to appropriate that blood, I have to go where that blood was shed. It was shed in death. The redeeming blood of Christ shed in death. And so Paul said, Know ye not that all we who are baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. When you're baptized into Christ, you contact the blood of Christ and you're added to the body of Christ. Well, why do you need to be in the body? Because the saved are in the body. Where were the saved in the days of Moses when they were in the land of Egypt? Where were they? They were in the house, weren't they? Where the blood had been applied. God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. Now go back and look very quickly. Chapter 11. Look again at verse 7 of what, at what God said. Well, look at verse 6. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall it be like it again. Against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue, against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Could I ask you a question tonight? Is there a difference between those who are in the world and those who are in the body of Christ? You better believe it. Paul said, if you're in the world, you are without hope and without God. You don't have a prayer, do you? Why? Because you don't have the redeeming blood of Christ availing in your life. If they didn't have the blood applied to the house, the firstborn would die. God redeemed the firstborn by the blood of the Passover lamb. He redeems those of us today through His blood. And we are what? We are the firstborn, aren't we? Redeemed by His blood. God said that you may know that there's a difference between Egypt and Israel. There has always been a difference between the people of God and the people of the world. Always has, always will. That's why Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Come ye out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. We are different. We're supposed to be different. If we're not different, something's not right. You believe that? God saved the children of Israel. And you think about God's marvelous grace. Wherever God's grace goes, it's always accompanied by instruction, by law. It always is in the company of faith and obedience, is it not? Did it take faith on their part to follow the instructions pertaining to the Passover lamb to be redeemed? Yes, it did. Does it take obedience on our part to enjoy the blessings of God's grace and mercy? Yes, it does. So they were delivered. Not only were they delivered, but also the Bible says they were to be dedicated to God. Turn over to chapter 13. 
In chapter 13, listen to what the Bible says. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, look at verse 2. Sanctify to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and animal. Here's what he said. It is mine. Did you get that? God was saying to the children of Israel, look, the firstborn, whether man or beast, he said, it belongs to me. It is mine. So when the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, that we are the general assembly and church of the firstborn, what God is saying is, you are mine. I lay claim to you. You belong to me. That's exactly what Paul said in writing to the church at Corinth. He said, no, you're not. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from God. He said, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. In other words, you were redeemed. Redeemed with what? The blood of Christ. You were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and spirit, listen to him, which are God's. God lays claim to the firstborn. If you're a member of the body of Christ, God says you're mine. So if you belong to God, if you've obeyed the gospel, you enjoy the cleansing power of the blood of Christ in your life, can you just do what you want, live how you want to live, run with people in the world, live like the world? No, you can't. No, you can't. Why? Because God said there is a, listen to him, difference. It's a difference. There are a lot of people in the church who don't understand that. They have no idea that we are the called out. We're supposed to be different in our speech, in our dress, in how we act, in how we interact. There's supposed to be something different about us. If there's not, something's wrong. Paul said, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct. In other words, Timothy, you live like a New Testament Christian. There's some folks in the church, they need to clean up their lives. They need to get it right. Why? Because they belong to God. We all belong to God. And so you think about their deliverance and then their dedication. These people, the firstborn, were dedicated devote, to be devoted to God, were they not? So you look at that shadow, the foreshadowing of the coming of the Passover lamb who is Christ. And God is saying that those of us who belong to the church, we are the firstborn, we are the redeemed. And there is a difference when Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, he said, We have been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Why? Because in the world, there's death. There's separation. So how do we qualify to become a member of the body of Christ enjoying the inheritance that's before us? Well, we've got to obey the gospel. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus... Repent of our sins, confess His name before others, and are baptized into Christ, we contact that cleansing blood, don't we? We can say, and we can sing, I'm redeemed. Because we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We've been added to the body of Christ. We enjoy the benefits of the blood of Christ. In short, we're blessed people. So as Paul said, Christ, who is our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. 
hundreds of years before Jesus ever died on Calvary's cross. This event, which occurred in Egypt, foreshadowed His death. And ultimately, it pointed to His death. So we ought to be grateful to God that Jesus, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And in light of that, we ought to be willing to live for Him. We ought to be willing to devote our lives to His service on a daily basis. Why? Gratitude. Gratitude for what He has done for us. So tonight, if you're here and you're not a partaker in the redeeming blood of Jesus, you need to understand the blood makes the difference. I mentioned a moment ago, Ephesians 2, verse 12, Paul said, Those who are outside a covenant relationship with God, they're without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus makes, it, makes those who are in sin, well, really takes people who are in sin, and cleans their lives up, gives them the hope of life eternal. Reconciliation is in the one body. So when you obey the gospel, God will put you in the one body, and if you'll be faithful unto death, the promise is the crown of life. Why not do what they did on Pentecost Day? That is, repent, be baptized, so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 2.38. If you'll do that, you'll be in the house of God where the blood rests tonight. And only the saved are in that house, Ephesians 5, verse 23. And if you'll be faithful, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful, and you need... The prayers of the church, listen, we'd be happy to pray with you tonight as we stand and sing.